one of the things that I love to do at the beginning of the year especially is to really, you know, want to tune in to hear what the Lord is saying and what he's saying for uh, me personally, what he's saying for my family, what he's saying for us as a church. And, and so I, I think, you know, it's important for us to take advantage of tools that God has given us in order to do that. You know, the Bible tells us that there are literally five gifts that have been given to the church, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. God gave us those offices of uh, gifts, if you would, to keep the church strong, to keep the church vibrant and alive and moving forward. And I don't want to be stuck. I never want to be stuck, and I always want to be current. And so one of the ways I found to do that is to kind of rub shoulders with the five-fold ministries is what we call them. Many people have heard of the pastor and know about that, or the teacher, or even the evangelist, but we're not all that familiar with people necessarily that are called apostles or much less prophets. But I want you to know today that there's just, that's a very real gift still in the body of Christ, the apostolic gift, the prophetic gift. And today, um, I just want to introduce you to a friend of mine. We've known each other now well over a decade, and we've grown to love each other. And the older we get, the more alike we, we look, I've found. In, in fact, I just found out this morning that my granddaughter came running up to him thinking it was me. She thought, and she was like, she, uh, so this is, that, that. see, that's the better version. That's the better version right there. That's the better version. It, I, I'm 2.0. This is 2.0. But I, but hey, listen, I, this morning, so I, I've, I've, we, we've brought um, Dr. J. LaRue in. We brought him in, and we, we've done it intentionally this year because we want to hear, you know, what the prophetic voice is saying because Dr. LaRue moves in the prophetic gift quite often, and um, it's a wonderful gift for the body of Christ. Um, I've uh, watched over the years. It's a sharp word. It's a good word. It's, it's always um, on point, and um, it's encouraging to me. And so this morning, uh, we get to sit for just a, a few minutes under that great teaching of Dr. LaRue. So would you give a great summer church? Can you stand to your feet with me? Will you do that as we join and welcome Dr. J. LaRue? That's great. Yeah, it's an honor and a privilege uh, with you. There's so many things I want to say. Obviously, we're not so much on time constraint, but we want to be able to get through what we want to do today. Uh, it's a tremendous uh, honor and privilege, again, uh, to be in relationship with your pastor, his family. I absolutely love it. I do apologize. My head is much shinier than his. I know that. I don't know why that is. Uh, the daily shave seems to do something with that. Um, but uh, it is really, uh, I'm excited about being here. It's been a great weekend already. Uh, you know, I'm probably in, oh, 65, 66 churches a, a year, a little less this year because of that minor glitch in time we've been experiencing, you know, that momentary thing that we've been experiencing, just that momentary thing has kind of threw my schedule off just a little bit. But, uh, um, and so I hear a lot of sound, a lot of music, and I, I love the worship times. I really do. I come for that. Um, not just to speak, but I love that. And what an incredible worship team we have here. Right? Yeah. Tremendous, tremendous. Um, Romans chapter 4. 
I want to encourage you this morning in, in many things. I can't say everything I'd love to say, but I do want to say this to you and I, that we are living in the greatest time we have ever known in the, for the church world and the kingdom of God, ever. I love history. I've been in it for 42 years now, this church, the community of believers, and uh, it is just an incredible time for us. I want to encourage you with that and all, all this this morning. I think it would be a really blessing. Uh, and even one of the songs spoke about what I want to talk about today, which I think was a lot of fun. Romans chapter 4. Love these verses. I'm going to read them. There is, there, therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace, to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but also to those which is, are the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. No parentheses, but the translators love putting it in there. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and called those things that be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. I love verse 21. And being fully persuaded, kind of like this, yo, that what he had promised, mm-mm-mm, he was able to perform it. Sorry, that's how my King James reads. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. We're going to stay here for a moment and as an introduction, and then I'll pray, and we'll move back to Romans chapter 4. Verse 3, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word or the voice of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. This verse, of course, initially speaks of this, invis this visible world that we see and the invisible world. But its deep, deeper meaning is this. We know by faith that by his voice he spoke spiritual significances time periods that we'd be marked by spiritual significances over the generations, that the things which are seen were made by things that did not yet appear. Let me show it, say it to you this way. From the beginning of time, before creation, by his voice, not only did he create all the heavens and the earth, but he spoke things that would be sp spiritually significant over every generation, even this generation. And so the writer of Hebrews lists them, Abel, Enoch, Noah. Wow, man, I love the history here. I would love to talk about every one of these, but I really can't. Look at Noah. What are we going to do when the world is filled with violence? We're not there yet. We have a violent world, but not like this. The whole world is filled with violence. What's the answer to it? You bring a flood. Something is birthed in the heavens. The Lord reveals it to a man. It would be a pattern of our God, and the man would build it in the earth, and it would change the world forever. It would bring the end of the violence that was in that world. I love what he said to Noah, though. He said, I'll never flood the earth with water again. But he'll say to Moses, get ready, because I'm going to fill the earth with glory. That's what we need. Love that history. Noah, Abraham, Sarah, I'll come back here in a moment. We love these. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. How about Joseph? So what are you going to do when you have every brother against you? No matter when you do right, even if it appears right, no one cares. You're always said to be wrong. You find yourself in a prison. What about the dream? What about the promise? Well, this man will know something I want us to know. Listen, you might mean evil, 
But yo, yo, our God, he means to save many people out of it, out of Joseph's life. Love it. Moses, oh, Moses, I I love this time period. The second time, a birth thing in the heavens is built in the earth because the Lord is beginning to reveal to his people that I don't want to just visit you. I'm not really interested in reviving you, but I will. I want to dwell with you. I want me to be there. And man, I'm telling you, if I got a passion in our world is we appreciate his hand, we appreciate his blessing, but we're looking for our God to walk among us and our God to dwell with us. Moses, Joshua, Rahab. Uh, uh, he, he starts to flutter now. He mixes it up. He starts with Gideon, J- Jephthah, Samson, Samuel. He's out of breath now. And he goes, all the prophets. And then he finally gets to the 38th verse. I want you to hear this. He said, the world was not worthy of them. It wasn't that they were to be arrogant and cocky and, and, and stand up and look at us. Oh, no, 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 no. But I want you to know something. The world is not worthy of you and I and the church. They have no idea that this salvation has come into the earth and what God intends to do is with us. I want you to know the value every one of us have in this kingdom, not just the pastor, not this guy, all of us. You and I are, are necessary for our families and our worlds. I want to look at Abraham this morning, though. And we're going to see out of Abraham's life these things. First, we're going to see the character of God. Now, I love that idea, but it's someone's character. It's the thing that you and I can depend on. Light, dark, rainy, sunny, difficult times, good times. You could trust the character. I want us to see the character of God, something that you and I can rely our, lay our lives on and rely on. The second thing we're going to see is the way of God. There was a whole generation that died not knowing the way of God. One man knew the way of God. That's incredible to me, but I want us to see the way of God in Abraham's life. And then I want to look at Abraham. You see, the importance about Abraham is this. He is the beginning of something the world had never seen before. There was no one who represented the invisible God. Abraham becomes the first of all of us. He is the father of us all. And there's things the Lord began with Abraham that you and I were to, that were to be carried over generations and are still to be understood in our lives because we are now the representation. We're a people, not so much the United States, though I love our nation, but it's the people that are in every nation of the world, salted around the world, the church of the living Christ, the body of Christ. We're the ones representing him. So the things that he saw, that he did with Abraham and he revealed to Abraham, I want us to hold on to this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, you know this, I'm absolutely super stoked to be here. Love this people, love this church, love this state, love what you're doing here. This morning, Lord, I ask you that the revelation of Jesus Christ, it's always my prayer, be ours this morning. That you appear, that we see you like we've never seen you, that we embrace the kingdom of God and the greatness of this kingdom, the greatness of our God. And that we believe you in ways we never considered. Father, I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the character of God is here in these verses. I just don't want to quote him. I just want to move ahead with this. Two things about his character. One is he is the God who raises the dead. Now listen, I love that idea. But remember who we're talking about, Abraham. You do remember, 25 years he's waiting for a child. The dude's dead. Sarah looking sweet at 90, she's dead. And he's bragging to all of his friends that he's going to be a father of many nations, but he has no children. 
I want to encourage us this morning. Sometimes I look at myself and I think, how are you ever going to do what you're saying you're going to do? I look at the church and I'm thinking, her womb is dead. How are we ever going to see this? Sometimes I look at our world and think, it's going to be impossible. But I want us to know something this morning. No matter how impossible the dream might be, how desperate the vision may appear, our God is a God who raises the dead. It's his character. If there was ever a day to believe it, it's today. The second thing about his character, I love the verses. He is the God that called those things that be not as though they were. He will change Abraham's name from Abram, father of height, to Abraham, father of many nations, before Isaac is born. And Abraham's walking around with his passe, saying, yo, my name now is Abraham. And they go, huh? Father of many nations? Yeah, really. We've met Sarah. But we've never seen your children. Oh, that's because I have none. Yo, Abraham, um, we've got a problem here. You can never be father of many nations if you have no children. And by the way, you guys are looking good, though, but you're 100. There's nothing, there's nothing that can help you. And Sarah, forget it. And Abraham says, well, I don't know what to tell you. He said, I am that. And they said, what do you mean he? You know, He the God of the heavens. Listen, we have gods. Amorites have gods. What are you talking about? Oh, the God we've never seen before? The God you talk about but no one's ever known? And Abraham said, yeah, he is that God because he loves to declare things that can never be as though they already are. That's why I love prophecy. I love this thing about our God. He loves to declare things as he has over this nation, over our lives, over this generation. He intends to do something that absolutely seems impossible. But I want you to know it's his character. He loves loves to declare things that cannot be as if they already are. It's in Abraham's life. If there's ever a day for us to dream and believe it's now, if there's ever a day to, uh, to embrace some of the things that are just impossible, can never happen, it's now. The way of God. Two things. One is he will test us. He will test Abraham ten times. It's amazing to me, again, with Abraham's life, it's beautiful. Abraham will fail eight out of the 10 tests. Now, I taught school. I'm a college professor. I was a principal for a while. That that used to be kind of the grades I used to get when I was in high school. That's a 20. If I'm not mistaken, that's a failure. But I want to encourage you the second thing about the way of God. Though he will test us, he never grades us on the test. He grades us on our response to the test. And so there's many times that I have failed the test, but Abraham always returned back to his Lord on his knees at the place of sacrifice, and the Lord said, A plus Abraham. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you fail the test, what, is it as simple as forgiving or loving or, or just something you should do, I want you to know something. Our God's not grading us on that. He's grading us on our response. And I wish I could tell you that I've never failed. I told my children, my grandchildren, listen, are you kidding me? Grandma's failed many times, probably more failures than pluses. But I want you to know something. I always return back to him. Amen. It's his way. Now, I want us to see some things about Abraham this morning. You're doing so well. I appreciate that. I wish I could see you. I'm going to try to get down there a little bit, get a little closer to your faces. I'm good with it. I get it. I love this. Pretty cool building, too, by the way. Anyways, oh, I would go see the building if you haven't gone. Go, don't, maybe while the guys are in the stakes, the ladies can go around. Oh, no, I didn't mean that. 
I told Melissa, you guys get together and have lobster while the guys are having steak. First thing, verse 18, you don't have to put it back up there, I'm just quoting it. He hoped against hope, according to the word spoken, that you'd be a father of many nations. How do you hope when there's no hope? I mean, when I saw that, I thought to myself, Lord, I want to be a father, a husband, a man to my family. I want to be a man in my generation, as we just saw about these men we just saw. I want my wife to be a woman. I want my wife to be a grandmother. I want to be a grandfather. I want to be a brother who, even it appears hopeless, I still have hope. I want us to be a people in a day when they say there's no hope, that we have a hope, even if there doesn't appear to be hope. He hoped against hope. He's a hundred years old. How does the man hope that a word that God spoke could ever come to pass? Second thing, verse 19. I love this. He considered not his own body, now being a hundred years old, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. I love the word considered. The Hebrew writer will use it at least twice, three times. It means he, to get your eyes focused on something. The Hebrew writers say, let's consider the apostle and high priest. Consider him who endures such contradiction against ourselves. It's, it's getting your eyes on it. What, he, what Paul is saying to the Romans is, listen, he never got his eyes on the deadness or the weakness of his own life. He never got his eyes on the impossibilities of Sarah's womb. He kept his eyes focused on what God had declared and what God had said. I want us to be such a people that we never get our eyes on our own impossibilities or the impossibilities of our world or where our family is or what's going on in our world, but we keep our eyes solid on what he has declared and what he has promised, and we're never moved from it. He never considered his own weakness, his own frailty, his own impossibilities. We all have them. I went through a real period of time Looking as I'm growing up in the church, with a real attitude toward the church. The Lord had to deal with me. I'm thinking, how are we ever going to be what you've declared us to be? I mean, look at us. I didn't say look at you. I said look at us. And the Lord had to deal with me out of that word that the Lord gave Sarah strength to conceive the seed. And no matter how barren a woman or the church might look, God will give her power to see the word of God come to pass. Amen. Third thing about Abraham. I love this, verse 19, verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. It's amazing. Again, you have to view the Old Testament through the lens of the new. We watch Abraham. We see all kinds of fears, all kinds of mistakes. He staggered not at the promise of God. It's a great word. In Italian, which I might be a little bit of, we use this word, agida. Yeah. The new word is acid reflux. You know that, yeah, you know that that's like, like when, when my children call, it's generally never, dad, how are you? Or my grandchildren, hey, gramps, are you okay? No, it's like, what's your Amazon account? Numbers? And I, I get that, that real senile thing, going, I don't know who you are. My son, or it's like that when the phone rings at 11 o'clock, I'm expecting it not to be clearinghouse. I mean, 11 o'clock phone right away is like, What's that? Who's, who could be calling? Oh, no, it's trouble. It's always like that. I mean, it's, 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 here's what it is. It's that inward fight that we have, especially me as a man. I, I deal with it out here. My wife tends to deal with it out here. 
It's that inward fight that I, I feel it. I got that anxiety. I, I'm losing that peace because of what I see, what, I, what I'm experiencing. Uh, the battle between the word of God and my own feelings, what, what God has spoken eternally, what I'm facing temporarily, and there's this war going on. What the, what the writer to the Romans says is this. He never had an inward fight. He maintained it. He never considered in here that what God said he wouldn't do. He was strong in faith. Man, I... I'll tell you, I want us to be a people who hope when there's no hope. I want us to become a people who never consider our own frailties or the condition of any world or of any time moment or any time period or our condition of our family, but we hold fast to the word of God and the promise of God. I want to be a man as us a people that has an inward peace. I mean, Jesus, I love him. Are you kidding me? Those fishermen are, are afraid they're going to die. The boat, the sea of Galilee. And the dude's sleeping. It irritates them. It irritates me when he's sleeping when I'm in trouble. Look at him. He's sleeping. Peter, say something. I'm not going to say something. Thomas, you say something. Oh, I forgot, Thomas. You'll never believe anything. What's the matter with you? And I don't like you, Judas. Something's wrong with you. They finally wake him up and he goes, what's the problem? We're dying. Don't you see? And he goes, oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Are you sure we got the right 12? <laughs> yeah, and in a yawn, he says, wind, shut up. See? And they go, ooh, you're something. And he says, you haven't seen anything yet. The final thing of Abraham, and then I'm almost coming to a close, is the 21st verse I love. And being fully persuaded. If you don't mind, that's kind of like this. Did you have even seen the news? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Do you know what's going on in our world? I do. Actually, I don't. I know what's going on in that world. What are you going to do? I'm going to believe. Being fully persuaded. That what he had promised, he was able to perform it. The writer will write to the Philippian church and say it this way. Being confident. Yeah, I, I, want, I want us to be confident. What can I be, what can we be confident in? I, want, I don't care where I am. I'm going to fly today, where I am. I'm going to be in New York City next week. I mean, so, all my friends warn me. Whoa. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. How about this, though? Being confident of this very thing, really, what should we be confident? That what he has begun, he will see it to the end. Amen. So how can we, how then, how, how can I, us, we, the church in every country, how can we hope when there's absolutely no hope? How can we never get our eyes on the impossibilities of our situation and we hold fast to his promises? How? How do we never lose that inward battle and even in the darkest moments we have a smile on our face and assurance that he will see us through? How do we remain fully persuaded so in my granddaughter, I walk into my grandkids' house or my 
kid's house or a friend's house or a pastor's house? How can I have a face that says, fully persuaded? The answer is here. I want to quote it to you. Verse 19, verse 20, listen. He staggered not the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Here it is. Giving glory to God. I didn't realize that it was so simple. I just never saw it. There are four things, and I'll be through. You've been so good this morning. I so appreciate it. First, in giving glory, there's four dimensions of it, is thanksgiving. You know, when I was 22 years old, I got born again. I'll tell you, he gave me a new heart. I was so... You must not know me. Oh, I know you. It's going to be a lot of work, but I know you. I was thankful then, and I got to tell you this morning, I'm more thankful. So sometimes when hope is weaning, I got to go back and give him some thanksgiving. When I'm having an inward battle, I've got to just go back and say, not thank you for the problems, the situation, it's none of that. Thank you for you. Thank you for him. Thank you for us. Second dimension of giving glory, it's praise. Let me just take it for a moment. Of course, it, it's, I need these guys because I don't have any, I can't sing, I don't have any, I don't have any, I'm tone deaf, I, don't, I need the music. And, you know, it's that raising of the hands, it's clapping. It's, I get to, sometimes when I'm in, at Starbucks and Linda will go, don't do that. I say, I can't help it, hon. <laughs> I did it at the gym yesterday with Pastor, GP, this, uh, Pastor JP. This looks okay at the gym. That guy's stretching. Oh, yeah, I'm reaching. <laughs> but let me just for a moment take us back to the root. That's key understanding. You see, Jacob had two wives. One was Leah, and the other was Rachel. And he loved Rachel, and he didn't really love Leah. No, no wife should have that kind of experience. So Leah had to manipulate and, and coerce just to, just to have a relationship, just to be with her husband. So she will do this and have a fourth child. And when the child is born, she will name him Judah. It means to praise. But this is her experience. Watch. After those nine months and having work, she has this newborn son. And she looks at him. She says, I will praise him because he's given me a son. She called him Judah. So I got to tell you this morning, Oh, I love our music, and I, I appreciate all the music we have, but I don't praise him because he's giving me sound or great music. This boy, I've got to praise him because he's given me his son. I just got to praise him. 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 I just got to I just got to praise him. So when I'm fighting, wondering in Jay LaRue's weaknesses and Jay LaRue's family and what's going on in our world and what's going on in certain places and I'm feeling the sense of that pressure, I just got to...
praise him. So when you're losing the hope, sneak off to the men's room or to the ladies' room or just stand where you are. Come on, just try it with me one time. Oh, yeah. Got a little Philadelphia coming down here. Sorry about that. Third, it's not a Bible word, but it's seen through it all. Adoration. Adoring. It's amazing to me, Peter will be with him for three and a half years and hear him, watch him, see him, know him. At the end of his life, he will cuss and swear that he doesn't know him. It's amazing to me that almost 28 years later, he will write this. They rejected him, but he was the precious cornerstone. When something's precious and valuable, we esteem it. I want you to know this morning, for this guy, I'm in absolute love. I adore him as you. Sometimes my love gets pulled and my emotions get pulled and I've got to go back to just loving him. The last, of course, is worship. Whether you do it in Greek or Hebrew, it means the same thing, to lay prostrate. I mean, I can't do that all day long. I have business, I have things to do. I mean, how do I lay prostrate? Then I realized, as I watched Jesus, who I so love listening to him, seeing him, watching him, even when he doesn't speak, there's words, there's emotion. And I, I watch him, and he, 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 he will say, I glorified you in the earth. And I only watched him sing one hymn at the end, and I'm thinking, where, where, what? I don't know, understand, where did you glorify him? I didn't see it. And then I realized, oh, I see. He lived prostrate. His life was unto him every single day. So I love when we worship, and I love laying prostrate. But I realized the moment that Jay LaRue, that we decided, you know what, my life is yours. We entered into a, a dimension of worship and everything was unto him. And there are times in my life that I've got to go and I just got to lay on, my, lay on the floor. And there's times that I've got to flip on a little music and I've got to worship him or i just got to spend some time with him. And i just got to lay prostrate or just exalt him and magnify him. But I want you to know uh, that sometimes in this, I've just had the, in a sense, re-give my life to him. I have to remember, it's really not about me, but it's about him and it's about you. Stand with me for a moment. Well, that was pretty good. I do want to say some things prophetically to the church, but I just want to begin here with this. Okay. There is no question that all of us, especially in this nation around the world, are facing a hope issue, a hope situation. 
I have the great honor of being able to speak to people's lives and say things about their lives and say some things to them about their family. And it's beautiful. It's happened to me as well. It's one of those beautiful things. But our Bible is very clear that the salvation is coming to the seed and all the seed. It's here. It's in Abraham's life. It wasn't just Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but it was to Joseph, and it's to, to, to continue to that seed. It's a word to us. But sometimes it's just a struggle holding on and gripping, and sometimes I, I, I grip. Sometimes I feel like Abraham. I'm having to beat the buzzards off the promise of God, and I'm waiting for him. And, and sometimes the waiting for him is, is difficult, and I'm, I'm wondering, when's he coming? Is he coming? And, and some of these questions are so, is so around us. So this morning, I want to dispel them from us. I want to strengthen us to regrip the promise of God. Is that okay? So I want to say it this way. If you just, this morning, just need to be refreshed in the promise of God, or you just need to be revived in the promise of God, or just new strength to regrip it again, no matter what we're facing, because he is the God that raises the dead. He is the God that called those things that be not as though they were. We can, we can be and are to be fully persuaded. He doesn't get upset when we're not. He doesn't say, oh, I'm so disappointed. Look at Jay again. Ah. Oh, no, no, no. The safest place for me is with him. Failure or succeeding, doesn't matter. But if you need that strength this morning, I believe that the word of the Lord and the strength of God is within me and it's his heart to refresh us and revive us and the promise of God, especially now here in this state, in that new building, and in what God intends to do. Yeah. Is that all right? Yeah. So if that's you, could I just see your hand, just an acknowledgement, mine's up too, for my family, for our families. Ready, just receive this in Jesus' name. Be strengthened, refreshed, revived in the promise of God. Uh, uh, with our wombs where it's been difficult and, and for some of us that in our spirits it's like Sarah it just seems like I just can't get it I can't grip it I just I don't know struggling with it that within ourselves we're strengthened as she was to concede the seed no matter what we've gone through no matter how much scar tissue we might have in our spirit from things we've experienced this is the day of healing this is the day of wholeness this is the day of the Lord resetting his word in our spirits reviving the word of God only the Lord can take something that he spoke uh, decades ago centuries ago and make it alive only our God can do that but that's who he is so in Jesus name be revived, be refreshed, be restored, be re uh, invigorated, be made alive this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus. There's so much I want to say. This is just not fair. This is, this, this is like needle-eyed for me. This is like so... Uh. Amen. Why don't you just stand, stand for this, though, okay? We're recording back there. My, my, I, have, I have a new nephew. His name is Eric. I have about 10,000 nephews. Yeah, great nieces. It's all good. We're recording, right, my friend? Yeah, good. So I just want you to know the Lord has looked extremely favorably upon the church, upon the pastor, upon you. I've said some things with him already this weekend that maybe he might share with the church. So this is a real day of preparation because the Lord's already, already called in salvation to encircle the earth, but especially this area. Alabama is going to become a place that God intends to begin doing some things he intends to do. 
I want to say a parenthesis, it doesn't mean that we become haughty and, 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 and arrogant or it's all about us and we don't like the states around us or the other states or we got an attitude toward New York or Texas or California. No, 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 that's not who we are. We have our brothers in California, we have our brothers in Texas, it's a parenthesis. There are brothers in, in Detroit and Minneapolis and our brothers there and our brothers are in Iran and Iraq and China. Those are our brothers there. Those are our brothers in that. They're inside of that nation as, as we are in this nation. So I want you to begin to prepare because the Lord is going to come as you begin to transition into the new building. And there's going to be a fresh spirit of reviving, a refreshing spirit will be in that building. It's already there, really. And the Lord is kind of hovering as we sang, just waiting for us to enter in. And so it's a great day of preparation. That's why some of the things I shared today, that we really kind of let go of some of the things we've been experiencing. We let go of the last four years, the last 18 years, the last 16 years, the last two decades. Really let go of much of our life because the Lord already has begun to declare things, the voice of God has moved into the earth, and when it comes, the earth trembles at the voice of the Almighty. It's positive, though, because the Lord is shaking off all things that must be shaken off, and he's causing the things to remain, to remain. So there's some things, no matter how young or how old, we're going to just let go of. No matter how we might love them or how I might have them, including me, it's time to let them go, because the Lord is renewing us. It is a day of a crossing over. It's a day of an inheritance, a day of regripping the inheritance. Much of what we have experienced is so short of what God intended. And I want you to know our God is stirred up right now. He is antsy. He is, he is amped. He is so stoked because he is going to move in the earth in ways we've never known. This is the day to believe for the supernatural. Not like we once had. Don't go back in that kind of history. But to believe God to do that which he, we have never seen before. Let me say it this way. I have not seen nor ear heard nor is it to the heart of any man, including this man, that which God has prepared for them from the beginning of the world. But it's those who have been waiting. They're here. Those who love them, they're here. And God is about to do something we never thought possible. Salvation especially, it is a day to begin to embrace the Lord for salvation to our family, salvation to our, do not look at the cities as we once looked at them. Do not look at our neighborhoods as we once looked at them. This is not, again, a big prayer. It's not a rebuke. It's not a correction. This is a strong encouragement. I needed to hear it myself. I'm listening to my own voice. And so it is a day just to, once again, as I said today, to apprehend, look up. For that redemption is drawing near. That thing that we've desired and sought for. Even our children. Our children are going to begin to believe God in ways that we never thought possible. He will not leave anything the way it has been. That includes our universities, our colleges. That includes the areas of our, no matter where it is, the high, lofty, the low, and the difficulties. God is not a man or like a man that would even consider these are better, these are worse. Oh, no, no, no. He absolutely loves people. His heart and passion is not just for the United States. It is for the world. And this is intent to change everything. If there's ever a day to pray and intercede, not with an oh God, help us, but an oh God, help us! It is now. Please let us lay aside the judgmentalism and the, and the views and let us embrace his heart and embrace the person. God is very close to us at this moment. He's very sensitive to our prayers. He's very sensitive to our cry. 
I can't say these things to you individually, but especially with the groups I've been here, the promise of God is, is so near to this church especially, to the people here especially. If you're here for the first time, that's including you. If you haven't got here yet, includes you. It's just the way he is, and the Lord's heart is, is, is very much the same for his people, but, he, but he's very particular about portions of his family. There are things he's doing in different places and with different things, all positive. But here the Lord, as I said earlier, there's been a great favor from the Lord upon you. Much of it's because of your pastor. Much of it's because you're willing to make a choice that in many ways could have been costly. The Lord has been watching it all individually as well. It's a day to reach back to some of the old friends. It's a day to watch and see as the Lord brings back the prodigal sons, the prodigal daughters. It is a day to be prepared. Understand this, the father's heart longs for the return of his sons and his daughters. The difficult thing, I'm through with that. Just hear this, please. The difficult thing with the word of God, the prophetic word of God, is the emotion that's connected to him. It's a great emotion. It's not a tearful, sorrowful emotion. It's not the passion and the zeal is not, it's not describable in words. So even as I utter them and I, if I shout them and, and I, I forcefully push them and I, I say it with the, the energy that I could say it about his heart toward us, it comes nowhere near the, the beat of his heart for us, the beat of his heart for our world. The most powerful nation in the world is in this nation. It's also in the other nations of the world. My cry has always been, we be your people. Can you believe some podunk punk from Connecticut who knew nothing, was of no value really? I just got to praise it. <laughs> he would allow us to turn the world upside down. He would allow us to stand in our generation, look up and believe him. Dare to believe he just might do something I have never seen, ear had never heard. I want you to know I'm living for it. Father, I thank you for the honor and privilege to be yours first, obviously, to be a friend and a paraclete with this awesome man, woman, and his family. I, I'm, I'm humbled by that, that I can walk with him, walk with them. To this church, summit, ooh, love it. Lord, we believe you this morning. And Lord, I'm asking as you begin writing on the tablets of our heart and on our minds, when I'm struggling, I would give you glory. When I'm on top of the world, I would give you glory. Lord, we believe you this morning. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.